With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Weekday Warriors Wrestling for November 19, 2018. I'm Eric Clancy alongside Patrick Kelly, and this has been the first time in a long time that we have had a show. Um, but Yeah, what have you been up to? Busy. Yeah, you know, all sorts of things. Got married recently. Patrick's Patrick's trying to buy a, buy some property, so you know, there's been some things going on. So give us a break. However, <laughs> our, we are back and we are uh, ready to chat Survivor Series um, from last night. Which it was funny because I thought going into this show, um, it would just be awful. Um, and, like, granted, there was awful, awful things on this show. However, I thought the two main matches, the women's and the men's, really delivered, like, top, top-tier stuff. Like, like I would say, near match of the year can- – well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say match of the year candidates, but I do want to say probably two of the best main roster matches of the year. Um and Which is saying again, a lot, considering some, that they were last-minute uh, additions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and you know what? Like, Rousey and Flair, I was like, eh, you know, who knows? But Lesnar and Bryan I was worried about because the stupidity, not the stupidity, I guess, but the poor timing of turning Bryan heel right before this match. Because from what I understand from listening to Meltzer and Alvarez, excuse me, um, Vince wanted the title change and the heel turn at the same time so they could get everything done out of the way, which to me is weird because that's like two different stories. So a title change is one thing and a heel turn is another thing. Why are you cramming everything into one match? And I mean, and that's indicative of WWE's and Vince's thought process for a very long time now. You know, there's no letting things build and telling a story in like one step one, step two, step three. It's just, dad, ah, just do it all. And then let's, let's get out of here. Um, so I thought <laughs> that, that um, I was like, well, how are you going to do a Daniel Bryan Brock Lesnar match with Daniel Bryan as a heel? Because he needs to work babyface. which by the way he did, but they just basically like pretended none of that happened and worked their match. And it, and it, it actually worked out like really really well but you know that that's i think a testament to daniel bryan and i think it's a testament to brock when he's motivated being a great worker um so yeah you know this show was not i would not say like oh it's a top to bottom great show but there were three matches i really enjoyed um and the third one two of which i would like so, okay, so I've heard a lot of people say that they like that match. I'll just be honest. I had lots of people over my apartment to watch this, and we were not paying attention to this match. 
<laughs> with good reason. Uh, 205 Live and that whole brand is just kind of a dead, lifeless brand, so using that as a piss break makes sense. But if you watch the match, it actually wasn't that bad. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I, I saw them do some cool stuff. And, you know, honestly, like, from from what I understand, Triple H is booking 205 Live now, and it's I've heard from people it's a lot better. I just, I just haven't watched it, you know, so I, I really can't mm-hmm. say anything on it. Yeah, Buddy Murphy's been getting rave reviews. And, again, I haven't been watching 205 Live, so I don't know how true that is or how accurate that is. But, um, you know, they had a nice little match there. Yeah. All right, so let's go through this show then. Let's, like, talk about all the things there are to talk about. Um, We had our 10-on-10 Survivor Series Elimination Tag Team match on the pre-show, which we were told did not count because they wanted the story (laughs) that SmackDown had a clean sweep against it. Um, and it's like, like, holy shit, like, this could have been solved, because it doesn't matter who won this thing, this could have been solved by people just paying attention to this shit, which they don't do. Yeah, it's really, I mean, saying a match doesn't matter, is there anything more WWE than that? I mean, yeah, that's that's the most WWE thing I can think of. Um, but I, you know, I thought the match was 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 like fine and good for the spot it was in. I felt like watching Chad Gable like German suplex. Um, I can't remember who it was. It was was it like one of the Usos? Um, off I'm the trying top to think what the brand. I didn't see the match, so I don't know. I forgot what brand Chad Gable's on. He's on Raw, but, like, it's just, like, to me, it's, like, how could you miss on that guy, you know? Like, of all the people in this, like, in this thing, like, I'm, like, eh, you know, clones, who cares? Like, the Bullet Club, who cares? Sanity, eh, the New Day is established. The Usos are established. Uh, Bobby Roode is what Bobby Roode is. The Revival been beaten so many times. But, like, you look at Chad Gable and it's just like, how do you miss on that guy? Like, I get, I get Vince not liking the Revival. I love the Revival, like, you know, in their NXT days and stuff. But, like, I get, he like, he doesn't think he can do whatever, whatever. They look weird. But, like, Chad Gable is, like, a fucking clone of Kurt Angle. And it just, like, boggles my mind that they were, there was never a point where they're like, yeah, this guy could be a thing. It's just, it's very, it's, it's very interesting. Hey, pal, why do we need to push a clone of Kurt Angle when we've got the real Kurt Angle? We've got the real Kurt Angle, yeah. Um, why push Bray Wyatt as the new Undertaker? We've got the real Undertaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then we got uh, Team Raw and Team SmackDown for the women. Um, it was Mickey James, I did not Nia like Dex. this match. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. Um, I will say this. I At first, I was like, oh, now I need to be sent down to development. But then they just incorporated it into our character, and I was, like, legit booing her. And I'm like, oh, I guess it works then. So, so like, like I mean, it, it, it's really funny because going into the show, they had, like, Becky as, like, an ultra superstar, and Ronda was a superstar. Going out of the show, now they have four women that are, like, super-duper stars. It's, like, amazing, you know? Like, like they took mm-hmm. what happened with Nia, and, like, we can talk all day, and, you know, probably be <laughs> correct. 
about how unsafe she is, but it doesn't matter because she's there and they have incorporated that into her character. And now they've got like a top tier heel that you can actually boo and like, okay, like, what do you want me to do? You know? So while I agree with you that like there was weird things that happened, like Naomi being eliminated early, um, uh, like all the attacking of their own team and shit. But like at the end of the day, it got like Naya over as like a killer. And that's probably what Ronda needs to, to have another like top tier match. So like, yeah, I mean, I understand, but I'm also like, what else, what else can you do? Yeah. And with the whole Naya thing, it's just really funny because I've heard of, working yourself into a shoot, but here it looks like they've just shot themselves into a work. They just took something that actually happened. It was just like, all right, you know what? Let's make her the top heel, which, you know, getting that kind of genuine heat, however you get it. Um, and I kind of think back to like Edge and Lita back in the day when the whole Matt Hardy thing blew up. It's like, yeah, you can either punish her and force her to go away, or you can actually take the crowd reaction and do something with it. It looks like they're doing something with it. And it's actually kind of working. Yeah, and I can't fault them for, like, you know, every single time something falls into their lap, and they're like, no, we don't want to do this. It wasn't their idea. Like, okay, I mean, I'm not going to fault them for, like, utilizing that. So, um, yeah, so then we had uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear your opinion on this match, uh, Patrick. So then we had the Intercontinental Champion versus the U.S. Champion. It was Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura. And I actually thought this was, and granted, I haven't watched a ton of Nakamura on SmackDown matches, but to my knowledge, this is probably the best match he's had since coming to the main roster. Am I, are you in agreement with that? Do you think the match, like, and granted, I thought the match at the beginning wasn't that great, but I thought their finishing sequence was great, and I thought the last, like, seven to ten minutes was awesome. Uh, I agree with you. It's probably, I, I don't know if it's the best match he's had on the main roster. I'd have to think about that. It's probably the best one he's had in 2018. Um, Nakamura just hasn't really clicked on the main roster the way that I think a lot of us were hoping he would. Uh, I don't know how much of that is bad creative. I don't know how much of that is his motivations because sometimes I question his level of motivation in the matches he goes into. Uh, I thought this match started kind of slow, but it's got better towards the end. I thought, like you said, I thought the last uh, few minutes were really good. Um, yeah, no, I, I love the, the Kinshasa into the stomp. Um, mm-hmm. Call it the blackout, man. Come on. Just, uh, like, Jesus. <laughs> Give it a name other than the stomp, please. Um, hey, if it's uh, good enough for Super Mario, it's good enough for Seth Rollins. There you go. Um, and also, these shirts were so stupid. I know they do it every year, but it's like, holy shit. Oh, the Raw SmackDown shirts? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's like they think we're going to forget what team they're on, which I guess, you know, I forgot what brand Chad Gable was on. So, you know, maybe there's some truth to it. But I feel like oh, once yeah. the match starts, yeah, once the bell rings, I think I've, I've, I've got it. I'm going to understand who's on whose team. Yeah, but like, uh, it's like, Seth Rollins is like a six pack. Like, do we really need to like cover him up? Like, I mean, <laughs> it, it, I don't know. It's, it's just weird. Um, uh, all right. So then we had um, uh, the, the tag team match and this was not good. And uh, it well, had multiple. Pants. That's hilarious. 
Yeah, that was like one of those. Yeah, that was one of those like really embarrassing. Like, holy shit! You gotta like. Thankfully, there wasn't too many people. I think there was only like one person that doesn't really watch wrestling who I was watching this with. So you didn't have to do that thing where you like explain to non-wrestling fans how you think it sucks and like. But oh god, Um, there was also an attempt by current rapper and independent wrestler (laughs) Real One, also known as Enzo Amore. Um, <laughs> trying to uh, choosing this match and trying to get uh, get himself over, which is fucking weird. So was he? I have a question because I've seen the footage, but was he there from the beginning of the show and just picked that match to stand up and do something, or I, what was the deal? Why did he pick that match? Why was he even there? I, there's so many questions involved in this. I wonder if he thought this would be the best opportunity to like the, the crowd would be the most bored during this one would be my guess. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine he was there the whole time. Yeah. It's, it's so which is strange. Whole fucking uh, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, God, I don't know. Is he going to make this? Can, thing can you, is, have you ever heard of a more, um, of a fall from grace than, like, Enzo and Big Cass. Have you seen what Big Cass looks like now? No. Is he super fat? Yes, he is. He is he's put on some chub, uh, based on what I've seen in photos from his indie shows. It's like, God, they were, like, the hottest thing on the planet for a hot minute there. And now, like, they're both gone. Um, Cass apparently had behavior issues. Enzo is... To be fair, he got, uh, yeah, to be fair to Enzo, he got falsely accused and the charges against him were dropped, but it's just like, God, you, you had every, you, the world was your oyster and you just kind of shat everything away. Yeah. Oh man, I've seen big cast pictures. Holy shit. I mean, <laughs> he looks like, like he that, ate big like, cast. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, but but here's the thing: you could tell because he was in, um, he was he was never in like great shape, and he kept like gaining weight and shit. So like, yeah, that's uh, it's a mm-hmm. not the good. Uh, um, yeah, but that's yeah. Oh. Um, Would you say he's S A W F T soft? <laughs> great. Um, it's actually funny. I'm on. Um, I'm on, uh, I, I'm Googling on, on Google Images, um, big cast physique, and they have wrestlers who gained a lot of weight. Um, and I'm seeing like, <laughs> like 2006 Triple H when he was like pretty fat and uh, Matt uh-huh. Hardy. It just, you forget like, I mean, it can cut down because like, because obviously Triple H is like in fantastic shape now, but yeah. Um, all right, so what do we have next after that debacle? Buddy Murphy and Mustafa Ali. I didn't really see it. I mean, do you have thoughts, Patrick? Honestly, yeah, yeah, I just thought it was a perfectly solid match. It's probably um, my favorite match on the show up to this point. And I, I guess it's partly because it's one of those matches you look at it. 205 Live is what it is, so it comes with no expectations. And then you get there, and he's like, oh, they just did a Spanish fly off the friggin' announce table. And, oh, they're doing this cool yeah. stuff. And, oh, it was actually a good match. So, 
okay, you, you yeah. go in with no expectations, you come out kind of surprised. Yeah. Um. All right, so then we had the big uh, men's five-on-five Survivor Series elimination match, and it Where was Shane McMahon is Dolph the star. Z- yeah, I know, I know, yeah. So it was Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, and Braun Strowman, uh, and Finn Balor and Bobby Lashley against Miz, Shane McMahon, Rey Mysterio, Samoa Joe, and Jeff Hardy. Um, so we started off with, and I thought, um, I thought Drew was going to like kill everybody in this, and he did not. He, however, did eliminate Samoa Joe like three seconds into the match, which I thought was like an awful choice because the crowd was very much pissed off on that. And I mean, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't understand why that couldn't have been Jeff Hardy, right? Or, I mean, no, I'm sorry. I understand why it couldn't have been Shane. I just wish that, like, we lived in a world where that was a, a real option as opposed to him being the last guy. It's, I can kind of defend it in the case that they want to build Drew as, like, this big heel. But, oh, haven't killed a guy that everybody likes. So I, I kind of get that part of it. But I think the fans walked away from that more that they didn't get to see more of Samoa Joe rather than being mad at Drew. Yeah, and, I mean, like, Jeff Hardy, like, just is awkward and fat, and, like, Samoa Joe is <laughs> fat, too, but he moves a lot better. Um, and Shane is, like, fucking Shane. Like, so, like, uh, where do I, I guess, start? Um, it, it, like, I, I just hate the idea that this is the company that's always, like, decides things based on realism, quote-unquote realism, which is fine <laughs> and great and all. But then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's unbelievable that anybody could beat Brock Lesnar. But you know what's really believable? Having Shane McMahon be the last guy on a team of professional wrestlers. Every year. That seems to be an annual occurrence now. Yeah, it was last year, too. Triple H needed to trick him. He needed to trick him with Kurt Angle to beat him last year. I guess there's this I, I idea that about when... This on the... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, you know, I know we've talked about this before with Shane, but I remember Shane back in his quote-unquote heyday where he was like the loser punk kid that would get his ass kicked and would do these daredevil stunts and they would blow up in his face. And I, I don't know, this idea that Shane somehow transformed into like the toughest guy in the room, like literally when that used to be a joke. Um, I don't know. don't like it. don't like it. Well, I think what happened was, remember when he came back before that WrestleMania and wrestled The Undertaker, and they were like, um, and and it like popped a huge rating, and everybody was talking about it. I think from that point on, they're like, he's a superstar. He like equals rating. And like, I think there's a difference between having somebody that's like a star and can drive ratings, which by the way, I don't think he he can. Uh, And also being believable in a competition between people. Like, I'm of the mindset that, like, you can book anything to make sense, but they're not booking this to make sense. They're like, he's just, like, super tough and crazy, and, like, it just sucks. And it sucks because there's, like, guys doing good work. Like, The Miz was hilarious that match. Um, Drew McIntyre is, like, a killer and should destroy Brock Lesnar at some point. Like, it, like... I mean, I don't mind having Braun, Drew, and oh, Lashley. Okay, fine. It should have been, like, Braun and Drew and maybe Dolph, I guess, as the survivors. But, um, 
you know, Shane is the final guy. I mean, at least he just got power slammed and that was it. I mean, that was fine. At least he didn't eliminate anyone. That was in that, like, out of those three guys. But, yeah, it's mm-hmm. just like, ugh. Yeah, and I don't know. It's, are we ever going to get to a point where the McMahons aren't, like, a main focus of the programming? Because that's literally been the case for 20 years. Yeah, I mean, we might eventually, with, especially with Shane, because, like, I mean, you don't see – when was the last time we saw Vince? The last time we saw Vince in a storyline capacity was that, like, when Roman Reigns did that, like, send him to jail thing, right? Right, right. And, and before that, he was never there. So, like, he'll show up, like, like once a year or whatever. But he's, he's, he's not a character anymore. For, for Fucking finally. It took, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was, what, 97 until, like – 2013, it was still Daniel Bryan. That was the last time he was, like, a character. Yeah. What's, to be fair, with some breaks in between, but, you know, once a year, you could count yeah, on... Yeah, but he would always, help like, come back and... Yeah. Um, Russell God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Um, all right, let's get to the money stuff. Let's get to Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair, which I thought was just fucking hot fire. I thought, and, like, this is... Like, almost every time Ronda Rousey wrestles, you're like, you're like, I don't know if it's going to be any good. And, yeah, no, there's been some times, like, the Alicia Fox match and, like, some things. But, like, for the most part, she delivers every single time she's in there. Like, she had the match of the night at WrestleMania. She's had, like, she had this match. And it was just, like, in the match the, the same thing that was good. Her, her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, I have not seen any of Evolution. I, I was getting <laughs> married before that, so I was like out of rest. You have an excuse. Uh, I think you're I fine. Still, yeah, I, I haven't even. Seen, I honestly, I and I've somehow avoided takeover spoilers, but I'm like three episodes behind on NXT too, so I gotta like, I gotta catch up. Um, but uh, Rousey is just like, and here's what she does so well. And Brock does this too, especially when he's motivated. And this is what other matches don't have. It feels like a fight. It feels like a legitimate contest, and you're interested in it. Too often, and I say this, and I'm the guy who like likes this shit half the time, but too often wrestling feels like this choreographed, like, oh, duh, 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 mm-hmm. and you like never believe that it's a real fight now i'm not saying every match has to be like this but it like certainly it certainly helps in a lot of these cases like um i mean it just does like hogan and andre say what you want about that match like you know like it yeah was the work good i mean eh, you know andre was like dying and hogan was working with a dying guy. So there it is what it is. But I mean, like, you know, look at like for all the shit that um, Austin gives to his match at WrestleMania 14, look at Austin and Michaels. It starts off and they're like, they're like eyeing each other and he, and Michaels takes some jabs and stuff. And it feels like a bit of a fight and stuff like, you know, Brock and uh, Cena 2014 SummerSlam. Like it feels like it's just a guy killing another guy. Rousey feels like she wants to fight you. And like, that's what makes her important. So I thought this match was awesome. I thought it was just so good, so amazing. And then the turn at the end, 
was so great. And Patrick, you know what it reminded me of? I'm sorry, you know what it didn't remind me of? You know what the, it was the complete opposite of? Do you remember the passion of John Cena at Breaking Point yeah. 2009? Where we're like, yeah. oh, he's in so much pain. He's in so much pain. This was what that should have been. <laughs> oh god wow i had completely forgotten about that match thanks for reminding me but uh yeah, yeah no i thought well. the heel turn at the end was massively well done um charlotte performed it beautifully i thought it was great my only like criticism i wish ronda rousey was like either stretchered out or had to have help to walk her to the back to kind of sell it more her walking out under her own power like kills it a smidge but overall i thought the whole thing was great yeah, and now you've got, like, Charlotte is, like, red hot again. Like, after a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. like, coming off, like, female Roman Reigns, and now, like, she's just red hot. And you can actually have a legit Charlotte-Becky thing that's now super fresh. It's, like, bread in Austin. And then Rousey, like, I don't know, maybe she's going to turn heel because she's pissed off at I already booed her at the end. I don't know. you got, like, four red-hot people, women, that can just, like, go out and just everybody's interested in like Becky Lynch is the hottest character on the entire goddamn show. You know, like, like I, I, this to me, you are right now seeing what the women's revolution of 2014 or 2013, whenever it was, I cannot remember for some reason, I think it was 2014. Um, You were seeing the fruits of the labor because at the beginning they're just like, we're going to do all these things, but everybody was friends and they didn't really have characters beyond we're trying to make women's wrestling not suck. Now we've been, everybody's personality and history has been extended so long that they have different points of views and different thought processes that you're now seeing things where, Hey, look, after all that time and effort, you now have women that can draw and create interest and like are big deals and like, I mean, all you had to do was put a system in place that enabled that. And, you know, you're seeing with, like, these two, like, wow, you know, we've come a long way. If I were to, like, if I were, Patrick, if I were to tell you that this was, like, a huge, awesome match in, like, like 2011, you would be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And go back to Becky Lynch. Um it was. I kind of felt bad for her before the pay-per-view because this was going to be a big money match for her, and then obviously she got punched in the face, and that put it into that. But it may wind up being um, bad in the short term, good in the long term, because now that that happened, yeah. Becky is clear-cut a baby face now. They're not even going to try and run with her as a heel. She's going to be the face that she probably should have been from the beginning. And now uh, you've got this red-hot heel Charlotte waiting for her. You've got Nia Jax waiting for her, and you've got a potential showdown with Rousey to save for later. So uh, she's like Becky Lynch, even after what happened, she's hotter than ever, and she's got all these feuds lined up when she gets back. So uh, a lot of good things for her as well. Yeah, and, you know, you think about Becky, and I, everybody, compare, myself included, compares her to, like, you know, Steve Austin and stuff. And, like, when, and like you said, it's, it could be better in the long term because, you know, when Austin got pile-driven dro- pile by Owen, and you're like, you know, like at the end of the day, that shortened Austin's career and he didn't wrestle for as long as he probably could have. But like at the end of the day, it also gave something extra to the Steve Austin character that may have not been there before. And it was just this like 
never say die attitude. It was just like this guy will get up from peril from being paralyzed. This guy will continue to fight. And it also gave an obstacle and, and gave a little bit to the McMahon storyline, like, oh, I got to keep you safe and stuff. But, you know, it also kept Steve off TV. And like at the end of the day, you could say like, oh, if only Steve could have wrestled longer. And maybe that's true. But at the end of the day, I think that probably made him bigger. Yeah, and we talk about it all the time about overexposure and how that just kills guys, uh, having them on TV every week. John Cena is probably the go-to example where it's almost impossible to make him interesting unless you've just been seeing him for so long. You kind of go through the seven stages of grief, and then you finally end with acceptance. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's, it's almost impossible to, for you to be an intriguing wrestling character if you're on TV constantly every week doing the same exact thing every week. And... Uh, it's a shame that it takes a legitimate injury to um, keep them fresh, but sometimes, you know, hey, take a negative turn into a positive. And this could, I see very positive situation going on right now with the, the, uh, the women's divisions. All right. So then we had our main event and I thought this was brilliantly done because, you know, you started off and you had, you had Daniel Bryan like taunting Brock and stuff and, go for some kicks and, and then bam, he hits the clothesline and he starts doing like the suplexes right on Daniel's neck and his head. And every, every person had the exact same thought, like, Oh God, you know, like first I'm, I'm worried for him because I know he has those issues. And secondly, he's just going to kill him now. It's going to be the John Cena thing. It's going to be the match that they are going to do in 2014. So right there, Without even realizing it, right there they turn Brian babyface for this match, and this isn't like a brilliant Vince McMahon thing. This is Daniel Bryan, Brock Lesnar, whoever the agent was in this match, working and making this this go the way it did. Um, and then you know it's you're taking things inherent in these guys. Forget that Daniel Bryan's a heel right now. Forget that Brock's also kind of a heel. You're taking things inherently we don't like about these public personas. That Brock's an asshole and he's lazy and he's just going to suplex the shit out of you and he doesn't care and whatever. And Daniel's hurt. And he's one thing away from, from being like paralyzed or concussed so he can't wrestle anymore. So we, forgetting all the stuff that had happened in the past few like weeks, we reverted back to this state where it's like Daniel Bryan's fragile and Brock's an asshole. And that's what it came down to. And then somehow, some way, Daniel like survives through it and comes back with this great comeback. Brock sells like he does when he like respects somebody and they have this like <laughs> amazing sequence. And to me, Patrick, it's like this, it, it's this situation where, and this, this is a great match and AJ last year was great too. And to me, it's like when people say, Oh, this guy's too small or this guy's too whatever. I'm like, if you book correctly, you can book anything to happen. And because the fact is, like, Daniel Bryan is a lot fucking smaller than Brock Lesnar. However, if Daniel Bryan is able to outmaneuver Brock Lesnar and hold his hands above his head and smash his skull into the mat with his heel, I don't care how fucking big you are. It's going to hurt. And if you write it around people's strength as opposed to having Daniel Bryan trade punches with Brock Lesnar, it makes sense. And it's the same thing with, like, AJ Styles. Like, oh, he's going to come back through... He's going to fight through and rope-a-dope him and then, you know, get him off his feet, jump around at him. It was the same thing with Seth Rollins. Like, 
Brock Lesnar's big and he'll throw you at the ground. Okay, fine. What if the guy backflips the whole time and you can't throw him at the crowd? Like, what if you suplex him and he keeps flipping out of it? Then what? You know, it, 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 if that, then what? And this match was a great example of how strong booking, strong characters, and strong performers can suck you into anything. Yeah, absolutely. And again, to talk about Daniel Bryan's comeback, he, he did it with a low blow, which that's the great equalizer in any fight, to be perfectly honest. And everything from that point on was just, I thought, was really well done. That it, like The entire second half of that match was very, very exciting with a lot of creative spots. And they incorporated Brock's leg injury very well into the finish, where he couldn't quite get up on the F5, and he fell yeah. over, and he turned it into the S-lock, and all these great things. So I, I thought that that whole closing sequence I thought was great. Yeah, and like, like you know, kicking Brock in the dick. Um, I mean, Undertaker did that. Like, it's tri- like I think Triple H have done that. Like, it's it, it, funny because there's like two things when Brock Lesnar loses it's because he gets kicked in the balls and he gets hit with like the steel steps like it always seems to happen like that those are the things that he's weak towards you know which is very funny <laughs> and specific but um yeah no that I I thought the kicks to the back of the head were great I thought um I thought Brock's facials in the um in the yes lock was great. I liked Daniel like, mm-hmm. hitting him in the back of the head when he had him in the, in the yes lock was great. It reminded me of like Sasha. Um, if you remember from Brooklyn one, I yes. think where she had Bailey in the bank statement, she starts stomping on her fingers like that, like vicious type of stuff is always like really effective. I think because too often people are just like going through the motions and holds. And that was, I think very purposeful, uh, very intense, but I loved it. I, and like for, Three years in a row, Brock Lesnar has had, like, this epic match at Survivor Series each year. Yeah, um, and again, it goes to show what he can be like when he's really motivated. Now, I didn't see Crown Jewel, but I heard that the match with Braun was terrible, and it was just them, let's just hit a bunch of F5s and go home, and that was all the thought that was put into it. And uh, those are the type of matches from Brock that I think piss a lot of people off, because it seems very lazy and easy and... um, not very creative, but then you see something like this. It's like, all right, you see what he can do when there's actually some thought put behind it. There's some motivation on his end of things. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, and I get, I get the idea that Brock does not particularly care for Braun very much. Um, we know that he likes AJ, and you can, and you can see, you can see how he sells for AJ and Daniel Bryan, and you can see how he, how he works with. He likes Punk. You, you see how he works in that match, and you can see, oh, he doesn't. You get the idea he doesn't like Dean very much. You get the idea that he doesn't like Braun Strowman. You see the differences in those matches. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I mean, like, he's a very, like, he's a very hot or cold guy. And, like, if he doesn't like you, the matches will not be as good. He felt like he liked Goldberg. He had money matches with Goldberg. It's like, you know, it's very – yeah, and I don't know his reasons behind those. I mean, I would imagine there's those talk that's that talk about Braun Strowman having like his etiquette not being great backstage or whatever. But I I don't know. But all I can tell you is what I see. And like there are certain times where Brock has matches like this or like with AJ or Goldberg, and you're like these are great matches. And uh, then there are times you see him and his like his his matches with Braun are never very good. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. 
So I guess we you can tell. Yeah. All right, I can tell who Brock likes by the quality of the match that he turns out. Yeah, essentially you you really can. Um, uh, but yeah, you know we always talk about this. If you end a, a story or a show or whatever with strong stuff, you're gonna have a good taste in your mouth. So I really enjoyed Survivor Series just because those top two matches were like worth the price of admission. I thought. I mean, I thought Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar was worth it by itself. But, you know, you throw in the Rousey Flair stuff, and then you got enough of the undercard that isn't people pissing their pants that it's, like, good. So I, I was pleasantly surprised with this show. I really was, especially because um, – did I not like SummerSlam? I don't even fucking remember. I can't even remember this shit anymore. Um, There's too many shows. That's part of the problem. That is true. Um I will say this, though. One thing I do want to praise WWE for, I really like that the pay-per-view start at 7 now, and they this one and Evolution both wrapped up at around 10.30 or so. It's like, all right, they're starting oh. earlier, they're ending earlier. It, it feels so much better that way. Yeah, no, we were, like, so happy that it ended at 10.30. We're like, thank you so much, because they go so goddamn long. Mm-hmm. They can even start earlier if they want. You can start it at, like, 6, if, if that'll be okay for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember. I liked SummerSlam until, like, the stupid main event. Um, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that yeah. was the Roman-Brock match. Yep. Yeah, because they had a good Miz-Daniel Bryan match. Um, they had... Uh, they had the, the, the Becky Lynch term was great. Uh, AJ and... Uh, AJ and Samojo was pretty good. Um, Rollins and Ziggler was pretty good. So, yeah, you, you, like, had some good stuff, and then they had that, like, garbage in the main event. Um, so, all right. I think we're um, I think we're good to go then today. Um, hopefully I'll be caught up more with wrestling by the time we come back, and then we can start uh, heading to the holidays, getting ready for Wrestle Kingdom, and uh, talking all there is to talk about. Awesome possum. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, wish Patrick Kelly luck on his new purchase. Um, hopefully they uh, we have some good news coming soon. But, buddy, it's been good to good to chat with you again. I, I wish everybody a, a happy Thanksgiving. Patrick, you have a good Thanksgiving with your family and friends. Um, but for myself, Mr. Eric Clancy, and Mr. Patrick Kelly, we are... Signing off. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.